You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Jews began to serve the Lord once again and bring glory to his name, the enemy began to work. Same with you. Same with your life. If you want to sit back in a hammock and eat bonbons all day and not do anything for the Lord, everything's going to go smoothly. Everything's going to go well. But try to open your mouth and speak to someone about God. Try to open a Bible study. Try to do something for the Lord. Try to serve him and watch what happens. All of a sudden, things won't go so well. You'll be hindered by something or whatever, or even someone. Things go smoothly when you live your life your way. Things go south the moment you decide to walk with the Lord. What are your options? In today's message, Pastor Dave will teach you how to live the life that God desires for you. The enemy may try to hinder your life, but your faith in the Lord will protect you. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Nehemiah chapter 4, as he begins his message, Man of Faith. So if you've been with us as we started this study in Nehemiah, you know that Nehemiah, being led by the Lord, has been following the Lord ever since he left Babylon. And once in Jerusalem, he surveyed the walls and the gates that had been torn down and burned up, and he basically made a plan. He made a plan of what he wanted to do, and he knew God was leading him. He told the people of Jerusalem that all that God had placed upon his heart to do. God had met him in Babylon. God had spoken to him in Babylon and basically called them in the ministry and gave him a plan of what God wanted to do in his holy city, Jerusalem. Nehemiah came with a purpose. Nehemiah was determined to serve the Lord and do whatever he asked, no matter what the obstacles that were going to come against him. After Nehemiah surveyed the walls, his plan that he had, he went to the people and he gathered them together and told them about the plan, told them that, that God was leading them, told them that God was with them, that God was going to prosper them. And he says, let us rise up and build that may be no longer be a reproach. God was being reproached because Jerusalem was the holy city. It was God's anointed city. It was the city of David, where David was king. And God had a special heart for Jerusalem. And it was in ruins. It was in shambles. And it was a reproach to those who were the children of God. So he started asking the people for their help in restoring the walls. Asking the people for their help in restoring the gates of Jerusalem. Not only for their protection, because a city without walls was basically wide open to any marauding groups that wanted to come in and sack the city and take whatever they want. But it wasn't only for their protection, but it was also to honor God. As I said, this was his city. This was his beloved Jerusalem. So they wanted to honor God and keep him from being a reproach. But opposition rose up against Nehemiah. And he said the God of heaven himself will prosper us, therefore we will arise and build. 
The first one to go and start building was the high priest. He and his brethren rebuilt the sheep gate. We talked a lot about that last week, about this beautiful gate where the sheep came in that were used for the sacrifice. They then consecrated and hung it in its place. Then in order, different families built each gate and wall around the city, each repairing a section, each repairing the walls, each repairing the gates, leading back to the sheep gate until the wall was clearly all the way around the city, but yet it was only so high. They hadn't completed it yet. It was only so high. So as we come now to chapter 4, the opposition to the rebuilding of Jerusalem once again comes towards Nehemiah and the others are building it, but it seems to ramp up. It seems now to get stronger and stronger. And as we come to this, we see that those who are opposed to this rebuilding come against Nehemiah. Things were going well. The gates were being rebuilt. The walls were being restored, although they weren't at their full height yet. Everything was moving according to God's plan. But remember, ever since Nehemiah's arrival in Jerusalem, several men have come against him. Several men have been speaking out against him. Why? Well, it was their attempt to keep the Jews from building the wall. They wanted the Jews to live in a weak and dependent state. A strong and independent Jerusalem would endanger the balance of power in the region. But more importantly, it would rob these men who were coming against Nehemiah of their influence and of their great wealth. They were charging the Jews to protect them. It's almost like the mafiosa. They were charging for protection. So they came against this work of God. We've said this before from this podium. I'll say it again. When things are going well, get ready, because trouble is usually lurking in the wings. When all is going well, you know my favorite statement is the words in the Bible that says, and it came to pass. If you're having a good life and things are going well, and it came to pass. But when things are bad and things are going rotten, and it came to pass. We go through seasons of our life, all kinds of seasons, good, bad, and indifferent. Just read Ecclesiastes 3 about the seasons of our life that we go through. Why? Because the enemy doesn't want to see the work of the Lord prosper. The enemy wants no part in the work of the Lord. He doesn't want to see you succeed because you're doing it for God, and he doesn't want to see God succeed. As long as the people in Jerusalem were content with their lot in life, being the dregs of the earth, being cast down, having broken walls, and being the reproach of all the nation, the enemy left them alone. But when the Jews began to serve the Lord once again and bring glory to his name, the enemy began to work. Same with you. Same with your life. If you want to sit back in a hammock and eat bonbons all day and not do anything for the Lord, everything's going to go smoothly. Everything's going to go well. But try to open your mouth and speak to someone about God. Try to open a Bible study. Try to do something for the Lord. Try to serve him and watch what happens. All of a sudden, things won't go so well. You'll be hindered by something or whatever or even someone. And it might even be someone close to you. But this is what happens because the enemy knows what happens when a true heart serves the Lord. The enemy knows what happens when a group of people like yourselves get together as one and serve the Lord. There's great power in unity. There's great power in numbers that are serving the Lord. So think about that. Always be ready. 
The enemy doesn't want to see the work go. He doesn't want to see that happen. He doesn't want to see the name of God glorified. So as we come to chapters 4, and might I add chapter 5, we can look and see various tactics that Satan is going to use or the enemy is going to use to keep not only the Jews from doing the work, but we can relate it to our own life and watch what he, the enemy wants to do to keep us from doing the work that God had called us to do. Now I know in my heart that God has called each and every one of you in here to a work. I know that because the Bible says so in Ephesians 2 verse 10. We're created to do good works that he ordained before the foundations of the word. We are his poema, his workmanship, it says. So I know God has created us for good works. So as they go forward and through the leadership of Nehemiah, he is steadfast and immovable in his faith. He leads the people to pray. He leads the people to trust in the Lord. And all the tactics will fail. Simply, why? Because God is stronger and God is greater than anything. You know, one of my... Most favorite veggie tales is God is bigger than the boogeyman. I love that. I love that. I love that. Yes, God is greater and bigger than anything. I love the Apostle Paul when he encouraged the Corinthians, speaking in 2 Corinthians 2.11b, speaking about Satan and how he comes around to sway us from doing God's work. He says, for we are not ignorant of his devices. We're not ignorant of what Satan wants to do. And you know, as clever as he is, I don't like to give him his just due, but as clever as he is, his tricks are the same old tricks he's been using for centuries. But they work. <laughs> they work on us. For some reason, they work. So that's what we see here. I love what one commentator said this. He said, quote, if you start building for God, you're going to start battling, so be prepared, unquote. When you build, you battle. Look at verses 1 through 4 in our study. It so happened when Sam Ballot heard that we, now remember, Nehemiah is writing this, so it's in the first person. So it happened when Sam Ballot heard that we were building the wall, that he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren in the army of Samaria and said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him, and he said, Whatever they build, even if a fox goes up on it, he will break it down, their stone wall. So here we see the first tactic, ridicule. The first tactic that they're going to use against them is ridicule. One of the hardest things for us to do as a Christian is to be laughed at. When people make fun of you for being a Christian, when people laugh at you for being a Christian, for people point out your frailties, point out your failures, and you call yourself a Christian. When people do those kind of things, it's difficult. Our enemy loves to make fun of the servants of God. Loves to make fun of the servants of God. Remember Goliath, how he ridiculed the Jews to David? Bad move on Goliath's part. You can read about that in 1 Samuel 17. Jesus was mocked himself by the Romans during his trial. He was mocked even when he was hanging on the cross. The Jewish leaders and all were mocking him and yelling and screaming all sorts of things towards him. 
Hebrews tells us that many people of the faith had to endure mocking. They had to endure mocking. You might have endured that yourself. You might have been able to tell somebody about Jesus, and they've laughed at you. They said, are you kidding? I remember you when. Look at you. You're foolish. Someone once said, when the enemy laughs at what God's people are doing, it is usually a sign that God is going to bless the people in a wonderful way. When the enemy laughs at you, you're doing something right. The enemy is laughing and ridiculing, ridiculing Nehemiah. As the work of the wall began, the gates began to be constructed. Sam Ballot, he seems to be the leader of this band. Sam Ballot and Tobiah, remember, and Geshem, they seem to be the leaders here. But he and his friends begin to ridicule the Jews. But if you remember correctly, this started long ago when Sam Ballot first found out about Nehemiah's plan. Remember in chapter 2, verse 19? It says, but when Sambalat the Hornite, Tobiah the Ammonite, official, and Geshem the Arab heard of it, they laughed at us and despised us and said, what is this thing you are doing? Will you rebel against the king? So it started way back then. Look at his tactic. First, he calls them feeble Jews. Feeble basically means withered and miserable, like flowers that are fading away. He calls them, you feeble-minded Jews. But the enemy looks at things with worldly eyes, not with spiritual eyes. They could not see who was behind the work. They can't see with spiritual eyes. The scripture is clear. Unless you were born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And I believe that means unless you're born again, you can't have spiritual eyes to see things that are spiritual. These guys coming against Nehemiah didn't have spiritual eyes. They didn't know who was really behind them. If they had them, They'd have frozen and they'd have run like crazy. They weren't looking at it. They couldn't see who was behind the work. God loves to use the feeble to accomplish his work. I love that. Thank you, Lord, for using me. Thank you, Lord, for using the feeble. You know all about when Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians in chapter 1. Look at verses 18 through 31. For the measure of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since the wisdom is of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign. Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews, a stumbling block. To the Greeks, foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greek, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And the God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That is, as is written, he who glorifies, let him glory in the Lord. Wow. 
Wow, there's some heavy words from the Apostle Paul. And I love the fact that he says that. I love that. Thank you, Lord, for using a foolish person like me to teach your word. Thank you for confounding the wise by seeing me up here and doing this. Thank you, Lord, for that. Listen to what these guys said. Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones? If a fox jumped on it, it's going to fall down. They were even ridiculing the materials they were using. A few years ago, quite a few years ago, I think probably 11 years ago when we were still in the old building, I was teaching the Word of God, and a group came against me because I was teaching the Word of God. And they ridiculed the fact that I was teaching the Word of God. And they basically said, that doesn't work down here. You need to teach topical sermons, and you need to teach studies of this and this book and that book and this book. And my retort with them is that you mean the Word of God is different in Vineland than it is here? No. They continued to mock. But we steadfast and held to the word of God. As long as I'm here, we will always teach the word of God. In everything we do, on Sunday for two services, at Freedom Through Christ, at the studies we do in various places, on Friday mornings, wherever we go, we will teach the word of God. Line by line, verse upon verse. Because you need the whole counsel of God. You need everything that the Bible says to help you stand up in this world. So that you can be strong, not in your power, but in his power. So these guys are coming against them. These guys are really coming against them in a big way. And look what my man Nehemiah, he becomes my man now, right? My man Nehemiah, look what he does. Hear, O our God, for we are despised from their reproach on their own heads. Turn their reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to a land of captivity. Do not cover their iniquity and do not let their sin be blotted out from before you. For they have provoked you to anger before the builders. Look at this. I love this guy. He's becoming my new hero. I really like this guy. I really do. He doesn't come against them. He doesn't smack them across the face and say, how dare you ridicule me? He doesn't mock them. He doesn't get to argue with them about this and that and the other. He takes the mocking and ridicule to the Lord in prayer because he knows they're not fighting against him. They're fighting against God. When people turn you down, when you preach the gospel to them, when they turn you down when you want to pray for them, when they turn you down because of your lifestyle, because you're living a holy lifestyle in front of them, they're not rejecting you. It looks like it, but they're rejecting God. They're rejecting God, and they have to deal with that, what God says to them. He didn't get detoured from the work the Lord had called him to do. The Lord has called you to do a work. Things are going to come against you. Don't get detoured. Keep your eyes on the Lord and move straight ahead to what the Lord has for you. And watch what happens. Great things will happen. This is what the enemy is trying to do. He wants you to stop what you're doing and fight against him. He wants you to argue with him. Spend your time worrying about what he's doing. Anything to keep you from accomplishing what God has called you to do. Anything. No. Nehemiah simply asked the Lord to fight the enemy for him. Lord, it's not my battle. You take care of it. I love that. Because the battle belongs to the Lord. It's his fight to do. Remember, we said that Nehemiah was indeed a man of prayer? Well, here it is. Notice, he doesn't ask for personal vengeance. Lord, they hurt my feelings. They were mean to me. They said mean things to me, Lord. Take them out. Kind of like what David says in some of his psalms. 
but David comes around all the time anyhow. He doesn't ask for personal offense. Instead, he asks for vindication for God's people. Vindicate us, O Lord. Vindicate the group. Vindicate us. He reminded the people that these men are not fighting against them. They're fighting against God. We must keep in mind the words can hurt and sting. Yes, words can hurt and sting. I'm sure we have all hurt someone with our words or time or have been hurt by words of other, maybe even me, and I apologize for that. But they can't really harm us. Words cannot really harm us unless we allow them to get into our heads and allow them to take root and begin to poison our thoughts toward the Lord. And then we spend time pondering over what this person said or what that person said or how my feelings were hurt about this or these harsh words. When we do that, we give the enemy a foothold. We give him an enemy a foothold. We're to cast down the imagination and take every thought captive for Christ Jesus. We take the thoughts captive. We hold on. The enemy wants to launch closer and closer, causing more pain and more harm. So we do that by prayer. We need to follow Nehemiah's lead. Pray, pray, and pray. Commit entire situations to the Lord. And then return to what he has called you to do. Don't let the enemy sway you from your task at hand. Don't let him do that because he wants to do that. He wants to take you out of service. He wants to put you away so you'll be unable to do what God has called you to do. The next tactic I see, intimidation through plotting. You're going to intimidate by allowing their plans to be overheard. So let's look at 7 and 8. Now it happened when Sambalat, Tobiah, the Arabs, and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed, they became very angry. Well, they were indignant, they were angry, now they're very angry. And all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. The city is completely surrounded by these enemies. There's so many more of them than there are of the Jews. It's interesting to me that sometimes the children of God have difficulty working together. Nah, that's not true, is it? What are you you laughing about? No, that's not true, right? However, those who stand in opposition to the Lord never seem to have a problem of working together. Have you noticed that? When the church begins this quarrel amongst themselves, the group outside is stronger and stronger. But we're falling apart because we're arguing and destroying each other. The enemy saw the work that was happening. And the ridicule didn't help. They're still doing it even though we call them all these names. So let's change tactics. Let's get together and attack them. But let's let it known that we're going to attack them and let them hear that and they'll be afraid because we're going to attack them. Nehemiah became aware of the plan. So he gave the people great advice. What do you think Nehemiah's advice to the people was? Pray. Pray. He told them to pray. He told them to pray. He thought that they might indeed attack, and he took the threat seriously, so he encourages the people to pray. Look at verse 9. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God, and because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. Nehemiah 2, 17-18 says, 
Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned? Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem, that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good, and also the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. When Nehemiah wanted to motivate and encourage people to enter into the work of God, he didn't only tell them about the great need in front of them, he also told them of the work God had already been doing. Do you see something that needs doing, that you'd like to bring others along to do the work with you? Pray and step into the work, and when God begins to move in great ways, showcase that for the world to see. You'll find that others want to jump in the work God is already doing, but it does take a person to lead the charge. If you're seeing the need today, that person is you. Thanks for joining us today on A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank. Pastor Dave is making his way through the rich book of Nehemiah, and you don't want to miss a moment of it. One way to be sure you can catch it all is to head over to assurehoperadio.com. Once there, you'll find all the ways you can stay up to date with the current series or go back and revisit another one. Once again, that website is assurehoperadio.com. Well, that's all we have for today. We'll be back with more in the book of Nehemiah next time on A Sure Hope.